of the committee, but the decision was mine. I'm sorry for anybody who's upset. All right, that's enough. That's enough. So, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Geek Syndrome. And the plan was today to review WWE's Payback. The plan was to also review All Out AEW's pay-per-view. Uh, I was actually going to do this much, much earlier in the week. But after the shit show, yes, I said that, the shit show that was all in, we were... We got ourselves a nuclear or <laughs> a nuclear explosion in AEW. So basically, uh, the rumors have been going on for a while. Me and uh, Trevor talked about it last week's episode. Is that Punk got into it with Jungle Boy Jack Perry or just Jack Perry and Tony Khan backstage at All In. And so this led to whatever transpired. The rumors are crazy. The rumors say uh, Punk got in Khan's face. The rumors say that he choked and he punched Jack Perry. Uh, is a lot. Of, we don't know. What, the only people who know who knows what really happened is that this disciplinary committee he was talking about, Tony Khan, CM Punk, whoever's backstage, and God. I don't think us as fans will ever know the truth. But whatever happened backstage inspired a change in Tony Khan. And overnight, that man grew a sack of nuts that didn't... He, it just popped up. Popped up out of nowhere. He grew a set of balls, right? So in growing a set of balls, he decides that, hey, I'm going to fire CM Punk. I'm going to fire Phil. I am going to get rid of as okay, this uses is this right? I'm going to cut off a cancerous growth. If my right arm offended me, then cut it off. Very biblical, right? If my right arm offended me, cut it off, right? If it offended me, cut it off. Now, I use the right arm, I say that because see a punk. Was the right arm. He was collision. He sold the most merch. He was. mm, Outside of Maxwell Jacob Freeman. The top draw. In the entire company. Look. I'm not a CM Punk fan. That is known. Widely. I am not a CM Punk fan. I do not like CM Punk. I didn't like CM Punk in the ring. I don't like CM Punk outside of the ring. But I do respect CM Punk, what he's done for wrestling, his place in wrestling. And I also respect the fact that he has fans, an untold number, untold number. I would probably, I would probably say this, you know, everybody's coming out now and say, okay, it's 50, 50 on CM Punk. That's bullshit. Probably about 90% of people who actually like wrestling like CM Punk. I stand on that. 90% of the people, unless, uh, you know, okay, I probably had to conduct a poll, right? But in my personal belief, 90% of the people who like wrestling like CM Punk. And for whatever happened backstage, 
Tony Khan said enough was enough and he fired CM Punk. A lot of people want to blame Jack Perry. A lot of people want to blame the Young Bucks because the Young Bucks, man, all the stuff that comes out of the Young Bucks play a big, the elite itself. They play a very, very big hand in how AEW came about, how AEW currently operates. And it's no secret that we all, for a actual factual, know that they did not and do not like CM Punk. That's just that's just something we know. That's a fact. They got into a physical, physical altercation that resulted in the elite and CM Punk actually being suspended and stripped from titles. So it was a big deal. But I say all that just to say that Tony Khan waited a little bit too late to grow a pair of nuts. Tony Khan could have nipped this stuff in the bud years ago, right? A year ago. He could have nipped this in the bud a year ago. He could have sat these people down and said, hey, I'm paying you guys too much money to act like kids. All right? I'm paying you too much money to act like kids. You either get on the court and play ball at the same time, or none of you play ball, and I'm going to send your ass home contract be damned right i'll pay out your contract right all the stuff that comes out of AEW, man is is tony khan's fault he has no now okay so this could be an inflection point he may now at this point gain total control of the locker room but before this moment tony had no control of his talent no control of his locker room whatsoever these dudes do what they want to do like there's no direction and it reflects into their product. Everybody's like, yo, the pay-per-views, pay-per-views this, pay-per-views that. Yo, AEW pay-per-views ain't that good. I am effing sorry. And I don't say that to hype up WWE's pay-per-views because I have an issue with, with WWE pay-per-views as well, right? You know, my disdain or the critique that I give out is not limited to one promotion. I will call a spade a spade. But... Because Tony Khan can't run his locker room. He can't run Dynamite. He can't run Collision, right? His shows are disjointed and they make no sense. Now, the reason why I say the shows are disjointed and they make no sense, all, okay, so what we on? All Out, right? All Out was a better pay-per-view than All In. Hear me out on this. All Out, your, okay, so let's do it like this. Think of All In is the equivalent to WrestleMania. That's the equivalency. All In is WrestleMania. Tony Khan wants it to be WrestleMania. The the people at AEW wanted it to be WrestleMania. Just listen to how they talk about it. Oh, we sold 80,000 tickets. It was the biggest thing ever. We sold 80,000 tickets. We're the biggest promotion out there. We sold 80,000 tickets. 80,000 tickets. I swear, Tony Khan's going to name one of his kids 80 fucking K as many times as he said this. As many times as he's talking about all in. He's going to name one of his kids 80K. Dash, uh, the, whatever the dude's name is from FTR, he may nickname his daughter 80K as many times as they said the thing on the span of two months. Like, it's sickening, right? That's your WrestleMania equivalency. And then... Let's go to All Out. All Out is the equivalency of Backlash. 
never in the history of WWE was backlash better than WrestleMania. But if we go by equivalency, All Out is better than All In. All Out made more sense. All Out had better matches. All Out was better put together. Now, I don't know why, right? I'm not booking this. I feel like if I could book it, I could do a better job. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I don't want to be a booking. But I feel like All In could have been booked better. That goes back to my original point. The product is disjointed. The product has no flow. The product has no consistency. Like the product has no consistency whatsoever. It has the highest highs and then the lowest lows. It like it's it's baffling to me. Like the talent on these promotions shouldn't have these many ebbs and flows. Right? But like I said, once again, Tony Khan picked the wrong well. It's never a wrong time for a man to find his courage, right? It's never a wrong time for a man to actually stand up for himself and stand up for his promotion. But by standing up for himself, he did eliminate his either, arguably, his top draw or his second best top draw, right? So like I said earlier, to me, I think MJF is like, you know, the only reason why you, why you watch AEW at this point is MJF. Not MJF and Cole, right? We're going to talk about that a little bit later on. Not MJF and Cole. Not MJF and Cole. MJF. Maxwell Jacob Freeman is the reason why you watch AEW. And before Punk got fired, it was Maxwell Jacob Freeman and CM Punk were the reasons you watched any AEW program. But Tony Khan fired CM Punk. So we are... In wild times, ladies and gentlemen. We're in wild times. Now, uh, with that said, uh, I will say this. We know there was some type of physical altercation. And Punk got... Punk got fired over. I understand that there's a lot of different people who walk this earth. And there's a lot of different people who react a certain way when they're challenged or when bad things happen. Like they just react a certain way. Punk's that type of guy. When something doesn't go his way or he doesn't like something, he's going to react to a T a very certain way. That's why we had the issue with the media scrum almost this exact time last year. And this is also why we're dealing with it right now. I'm not going to assess blame to anyone but Tony Khan, but CM Punk, bro, CM Punk, Phil, he's got to... Okay, right? So I think I said last week that we all are, we've all had coworkers we didn't like. I've had coworkers that I have physically come to blows with, right? <laughs> Just real talk. I've had coworkers that I've had extremely heated arguments with, right? I mean, extremely heated arguments. I've had coworkers where we've gotten into each other's faces. I mean, big time. I've had coworkers where me and another coworker have physically come to blows. Like, this stuff is legit. But I was aware enough of my situation to put those things behind me. Now I'm not saying you're supposed to take anything, right? You're not supposed to let, don't let anybody disrespect you. 
Don't let anybody disrespect you. Don't let anybody put their hands on you. Don't let anybody hurt you in any way, shape, or form. Don't allow that to happen because that's just not right. But in the sake of making a check, in the sake of making things work, sometimes, man, you got to stand back and you got to cool off, right? Sometimes you just got to let, sometimes you got to let things go. Sometimes you just got to let things ride, whatever, go on about your business. That's all you have to do. You, you don't get in a fight every single time. You don't get in a screaming match every single time. And sometimes I know everybody is going to reach their boiling point where they feel like at this moment, at this time, like I have to react in some way. But sometimes you don't. You don't always have to react. Like for those, those scenarios that I just mentioned, right? I felt like I was put in a corner where I physically, where I had to do those things, right? Because for one, I'm not going to let anybody get in my face. This is flat out. Because if you get in my face, you know what I mean? That means you're trying to hurt me. And maybe that's what happened. Maybe Jack Perry did get in uh, CM Punk's face. Because if I feel like you come nose to nose to me, I feel like he's going to try to hurt me. And I'm not going to let you do that. If you push me and put your hands on me, I feel like you're going to hurt me. I'm, let you, I'm not going to let you do that, right? So, and then, once again, like I said, we just don't know exactly what happened. But I feel like there are some scenarios with CM Punk, and maybe not all of them. I feel like there's some scenarios where he can just... Just let it go. Just let it go, bro. There, every every situation you're in is unique. You need to handle it on a case by case basis. There's some cases, like once again, let it go, no big deal, is what it is. And then there's other cases where you do have to fight. I just wish that, I just wish that Punk could have gotten along with the people in AEW. I just, I just wish, I just, it, you know, it's probably not, you know, most scenarios, it's probably not the whole locker room. I would say, going back to what I said earlier, I'm pretty sure that 95% of the locker room actually likes CM Punk. I want to say 95% of that locker room thinks CM Punk is a really great guy. But the other 5%, man, they just got under his skin for whatever reason. And a lot of people say Punk was already agitated because of how they handle things with him actually going to London. Trevor brought it up the other day. You know, he gets to London. He gets to London. He's got no way to get to his hotel room, right? He's got no way to get to. Now there's uh, there's also another rumor going around that Punk was supposed to have a, a sit down talk with about I'm gonna say a week before All In. Like he's supposed to sit down with the Elite and Tony Khan and just bury the hatchet. And they say CM Punk was really looking forward to it. Like, he was really looking forward to putting all that stuff behind him. But they said the Young Bucks canceled the meeting, and maybe that was the straw that broke the camel's back. Maybe at that point, CM Punk was so mad, he said, you know what? F him. I'm not taking no shit. I'm not taking nothing from this company. <sighs> but I hate to end it this way, I, you know, because <sighs> despite how I feel, despite how I feel, CM Punk is a legend. He's a legend. When he retires physically, he's going in the Hall of Fame. I don't think AEW has a Hall of Fame right now, but I know he's going to go into the WWE Hall of Fame when he retires. You know, he's already got several wrestling awards uh, awards for his career achievements. This dude is a Hall of Famer, man, and I don't want to see a Hall of Famer get fired like this, right? I don't want to see all the famer get let go like this. I, I think it's bullshit. I just feel like there was some way to do this better or there was a better better way to handle this situation. But, 
Shout out to Tony Khan for growing a pair. But also, shame on you, Tony Khan. Shame on you for even allowing this thing to get to this point. Shame on you. Shame on you, man. Because you had a good thing going, and it's still a good thing. It's still a good thing. I don't hate AEW. There's just some, there's just some things about it that just piss me off. And I can say the same thing about WWE. But he's got to get a tighter control over this, man. And it makes it so bad by Tony Khan. If he can't control it, he literally makes enough money to hire someone who can control it. He makes enough money to hire somebody who can control it. All right, guys. So this podcast episode is going to go a little bit all over the place because we need to go backwards. We need to go forwards. We need to do all this stuff. We need to go in a lot of different directions. And I'm trying to figure out in my mind exactly where I want to start. So I'm not sure if we want to keep the theme of AEW. No, let's go in order, right? So we're going to go in order. Okay, so we're going to go in order. So the way it works is we're going to be reviewing, or I'm going to be talking about WWE Payback, and then I'm going to be talking about AEW All Out, and I'm going to talk about Gunther versus Gable, and also I'm going to talk about Dynamite and how absolutely crappy it was. All right, so let's go to WWE Payback. So WWE Payback, that aired this Saturday or last Saturday. You know, let me just say this, right? I'm just going to say this. Um, Seth Rollins came out the other day and said that we are in a wrestling boom. And my boy wasn't lying at all. So... Let's just start from Saturday. Saturday, we had payback. That was like three and a half hours. Yeah, that was three and a half hours. Sunday, we had all out. That was like another three and a half hours. Then on Monday, we got Monday Night Raw, which is three hours. Then on Tuesday, we got NXT, which is like two hours. Then on Wednesday... We got Dynamite, which is like two hours. Then we got another break on Thursday. Oh, wait, you don't get a break on Thursday because now football is back on, right? But that's not wrestling. I digress. Then we go on to Friday. We got, um, what's on Friday? Friday is SmackDown and Impact, which I never watch at all. Uh, <laughs> I never watch it back. Uh, is, it, is it called Impact? That's how much I don't watch it because it's a pretty crappy program. But we got SmackDown, we got Impact, and that's on Friday. And then on Saturday, we got Collision. <laughs> that is a lot of damn wrestling. Like, guys, I probably consumed, and I mean, I'm talking about straightforward. I probably consumed about. 13 consecutive hours of wrestling. There is, I have never in my life, and I mean this, I've been watching wrestling for a long time. 
I am a survivor of the Monday Night Wars. I have never, ever seen so much wrestling on TV at one time. At one time. And we got we got two promotions. We got two big promotions that are doing really, really well. I got one big promotion, which is the WWE, who is doing very, very well by focusing in on some tried and true methods and they are sprinkling some things on top. Like, okay, hey, it's Taco Tuesday, right? We love Taco Tuesday. That's the WWE. But on this Tuesday, like, hey, let's put some more onions in there. Let's put some bell peppers in there. Let's try a secret sauce, right? And then we got AEW, who is literally throwing shit in a pan, sauteing it, and hope it tastes great. Now, in their defense, um, the saute has been pretty good for the most part, right? Could use, could use a little bit more seasoning, but they're just throwing shit in the pan and hope something good comes out of it. But I got two promotions that are doing really, really well. And then uh, we got all the indie stuff going on. New Japan is going hard. Uh, Stardom is going hard. And, you know, I'm not even talking, you know, and that's 13 consecutive hours of wrestling I was talking about. I'm not even freaking talking about the damn... Uh, you know, the Japanese side of things, but that's pretty good right now, too. So there's a lot of great stuff. A lot of great stuff. Uh, but let's just hop straight into WWE Payback. So WWE Payback was pretty good. They had some really, really dope matches, right? Uh, for the most part, I would actually, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and just give a review right now off top. I'm going to go ahead and give Payback a B plus. Get payback a, a B plus because it was entertaining throughout. It was entertaining throughout the majority of it. Out of payback, there was only one bad match, and I can't even call it bad. It was one bad match, and then there was one one segment who I thought was you know kind of unneeded. That's why I gave it like a B plus. But overall, payback was good. And we'll just start off off rip once I find my damn notes. All right, I don't have any notes. So we are free falling or balling on this one, however you want to call it. So <laughs> the first match of payback was Becky Lynch. Versus Trish Stratus in a steel cage match. Now, last week I actually called this the forever feud. Because this should have actually been settled in SummerSlam. Or even the Raw after SummerSlam. Would have been absolutely fine with me. Would have been great. I really wanted this thing to be over. Like This was, in my mind, one of the most drawn out feuds Second only to the Judgment Day versus Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. Like, this was probably one of the most drawn-out things that the WWE had to offer. But, but I will say this. It was very drawn-off, but the payoff or the payback for all that suffering was actually worth it. 
this was Trish Stratus' first ever steel cage match. This is the, all her years of being in WWE. This was her first steel cage match. And I was like, how in the world can that be? Like, Trish has been here too long and done too much for this to be a first for her. But as they've been talking in their promos, Trish came from another era. Uh, the She came from the... I think who are they classified? They classified as like the diva era, right? So the women who were in WWE back then, for lack of a better terminology, they were showpieces. Like they were very, 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 very beautiful, but they were there to look good, and that was okay, right? They were they were there just to look great. They were models. They were models that put on display, you know, that to heighten or enhance what we're actually viewing. I mean, go back and look at what they did to Deborah in all those years. I mean, go back and actually look at some of the matches that they have for the uh, women's, the women's championship, the women's WWE championship. You know, they weren't putting on these wrestling extravaganzas. And that's not to take anything away from them because I feel like their place in wrestling is very important. They helped and had a large part in actually defining an era. But one thing I would give to Trish in this match is that Trish decided that, or she proved, even in her, even though she's much older now, she proved that, hey, she could have done it in any era. Any era. Any era at all. Trish could have done it. Because her and Becky put on a show. Her and Becky did the damn thing. Like, they took some really bad bumps, and they were very aggressive. Now, it wasn't like your standard steel cage match. You see a lot of times where, you know, you have the guys most of the time, like, fighting to get out of the ring, like, fighting to get out of the ring. But uh, they were, it looked like for the most part, especially as the match got going, like, they were just there to beat the hell out of each other. Like, they were just going to beat each other up, and they were going to do that. One of the best spots that are in the match is when Trish actually ascends the top of the cage and actually gets on the other side. She actually is almost like she climbs up the cage, goes on the other side, and she's almost down. But Becky grabs her by her hair and pulls her up. And in a spot that was actually scared for me because I was thinking Trish was going to get hurt, she actually loops her legs into the steel cage, like in the top, you know, it's like, yeah, the cage, then you have like these, these loop grates, right, where you can fit your arm or your leg in, which Trish does. And I was like, wow, Trish is going to fall off of that thing. Like, she's going to fall off that thing and just tear her damn leg off. But they didn't do it. They just wrestled well. They wrestled well. All the spots were clean. The spots were clean. I don't remember seeing any bad botches at all, you know. And they beat the dog shit out of each other. Like, it was a really good match. Uh, Becky really did her thing. Now, if, what I normally see or what I normally see from a lot of Becky Lynch matches is that Becky is always booked extremely strong and the people around except for Bianca the second time except for Bianca the second time I, I thought Bianca was booked way stronger than Becky but Trish didn't look weak they were about on par with each other they were training a lot of different offenses uh let's see how did Becky win the match so what happens was is how she wins the match. Becky Becky does end up winning, right? So Becky wins, no big deal. Kind of what I expected, you know, because Trish is a part timer. Trish is just a part timer. You know, a lot of these, lot these part timers aren't going to win it, win it big anymore because they're just doing different things. And Becky doesn't really lose that often. Let's just be honest here. Becky does not lose a lot, not lose a lot. But uh, 
<clears throat> so the match was going just fine. They're taking the bumps. They're knocking each other around. And then Zoe Starks gets in there. Zoe Starks gets in there. She opens the cage. And she tries to let Trish out. Becky actually beats the shit out of both of them. Like, now they did book Becky like a superhuman. <laughs> no disrespect to Trish, but they did book Becky like a damn superhuman in this match. And she was actually able to beat off Becky. Uh, me, she was actually able to beat off Trish and Zoe Stark. So Zoe Starks, what she does is she opens the uh, she opens the gate and tries to pull Chris, uh, Trish out. And then her and Becky are doing like this little tug of war thing. They're doing like this little tug of war, yada, yada, yada. And uh, somehow Zoe gets in the ring with Becky. Becky beats her and beats Trish. And the last spot of the match was Trish was trying to actually go over the go over the top, but Becky Carter pulled her down and did like this impromptu rock bottom from the top turnbuckle. Pins her one, two, three. It was a good match. It was a real good match. And one could actually make the case that it was the match of the night. You could. Now, in my mind, it wasn't the ma- the best match of the night. In my mind, I thought the Shinsuke versus Seth was a little bit better. Uh, at least to me personally. But it was still good. It was a great way to kick off the show. And also, too, we know that Trish is going to kind of be going for a while because Trish and Zoe get into it at the end of the match. Trish is like, what the hell are you doing? You didn't help me, yada, yada, yada. And Zoe's just had enough of it. So their breakup, they didn't really build up their breakup. Their breakup just kind of came out of nowhere. Zoe has none, slaps Trish around, and boom, that was it. Uh, I give that match an 8 because it was really damn good. Really, really good. They pulled off a much better match than I thought they were going to do. <clears throat> and now, after the match, because that match takes about 30 minutes. That's about a 35-minute match. It's about 30, no, no, probably about right at 30 minutes. So it was pretty long. It was a great way to start the show. Then John Cena comes out. John Cena comes out, cuts the promo, and... He does one with the Miz. So John Cena could because the next matchup right after this is gonna be Miz versus LA Knight. John Cena comes out, cuts a promo, Miz cuts out cuts a promo. And their chemistry together is their chemistry together is just great. They've always had like great chemistry. Like they've always had like just wonderful chemistry with one another. Like they've always been able to play off each other. And what I kind of like about their relationship or what they're trying to play, they're, they're you know, kind of like what MGF and Cole is doing. They're doing, like, this stepbrother thing, you know. Miz uh, comes out there and talks shit to Cena because Cena is actually going to be the guest referee in the match between him and L.A. Knight. So let's just be honest with ourselves, right? Let's be 100% honest. L.A. Knight is over as shit. That dude is over. He is just over. L.A. Knight, yeah. But I like the dude. I like the dude, man. I like L.A. Knight. I think he's cool. A lot of people say that he's just a carbon copy of Stone Cold or Rock or whatever like that. Or he's just a, he's just a carbon copy Attitude Era wrestler. But we kind of need that, man. 
We kind of need that. That shouldn't have went away. Guys like that shouldn't have left. There should have been a guy like L.A. Knight, the minute Stone Cold hanged it up, the minute The Rock decided to hang it up, there should have been a guy like L.A. Knight, like right there in the wings. Like we need a guy like L.A. Knight in the WWE. We need a guy like L.A. Knight in wrestling. We need a guy who could get genuine we need a guy who could get a genuine pop or reaction from the entire audience. Because when it does, it helps everybody else, right? So, let me kind of explain how this helps. I don't want to say this. Okay, shocker, before I start talking about the match, sh- before I start talking about the match, right, let's Let's just be real. L.A. Knight beat the Miz. He beat the Miz. We'll talk about that in just a second. But let's fast forward a little bit to Monday Night Raw. (laughs) So Miz cuts the promo of his freaking life. Miz comes out there, sits down in a chair. He does like his little Miz TV show or whatever you want to call it. And he calls John Cena out to the ring. And so what happens is John Cena music cuts on. But we don't see John Cena. And the cameraman for like the WWE, he starts running around like he's following John uh, John Cena. The Miz starts putting on the front like John Cena's actually sitting there like right in front of us. So it's just like a massive work. Everybody thinks Miz is going crazy. But Miz is just talking to like an empty seat right there in the ring. He's talking shit about, oh, John Cena, you're jealous of me. You messed up my match with LA Knight, yada, yada, yada. Having a guy in the, the fans... So what happens is after Miz gives his soliloquy and talks shit to a John Cena that you literally cannot see, I'm like, bro, we really can't see him. Like, I don't know who you're talking to, Miz. Miz does a fake. <laughs> Miz does a uh, gives a a skull crushing finale to a imaginary John Cena. And if you haven't seen it, you need to Google it and see that shit because it is hilarious. But. The crowd gave the Miz for the first time outside of the Tiny Balls chant. Outside of Tiny Balls. The crowd gave the Miz just a pure and genuine reaction. A pure and genuine reaction from what he's doing. Can't everybody do this because the Miz is actually better than what we think he is. I'll never ever. At the beginning of all this, when Miz first got there, I wasn't a fan of the Miz. But if you analyze if you analyze his work, what he's done for the WWE, what he's still doing inside the WWE, and the matches that he's putting on inside of that ring, you can't do anything but respect the Miz. To do it this consistently, to do it this long, you have to respect the Miz. And Miz hasn't got a genuine reaction like that in a long-ass time. At least to me. But that's the L.A. Knight rub right now, man. Fighting a guy like L.A. Knight will do that for you. Like, it's there. That's why we need a guy like him. That's why we need heels like Miz. That's why we need people who can actually play off each other. That's why we got to have people who can actually work for each other because it really engages the fan. It keeps them locked in. Like, when I go to a wrestling event, I want to do all those those dumbass chants. I'll be up there like, L.A. Knight, yeah. Cody comes out, what? 
Miz does his thing or whatever. So I scream tiny balls right here. I like tiny balls, tiny balls. When Shinsuke comes out, like we need stuff like that. We need guys who can be able to play off each other and get that reaction. That's one thing I think the Attitude Era had over this one is that we got those genuine pops and reactions from the crowd. Nowadays, the only way you can get a reaction like that is if you're in a place outside of America, if you're in London, if you're in Puerto Rico, uh, if you're in a, <clears throat> yeah, they were in London. Yeah, if you're just in a, in a different location. But going back to the match between L.A. Knight and The Miz, okay, so this was not a, this wasn't a barn burner, right? This wasn't a barn burner. This wasn't a match of the century. This match actually wasn't better than Becky Lynch versus Trish Stratus. Because you know the Miz. Miz is going to play it safe. That's okay. You got to play it safe. I don't want these guys to get hurt. A lot of people rag on Miz like that because he doesn't take any, like, you know, crazy, crazy risks. But he's not getting himself hurt. I'm cool with that. He's not getting L.A. Knight hurt. I'm cool with that. And they put on a really, really good match. It was solid, man. It was kind of like, so in my opinion, this wasn't really a pay-per-view match. This is more or less on the lines like, hey, this is a main event on SmackDown type of match. And that was cool. I'm cool with that. I am totally okay with that. John Cena kind of got in the mix a little bit because he was a special referee. L.A. Knight got into his face. The Miz got into his face. All that fun stuff. Uh, the Miz did do, uh, there was one bump the Miz took. I think L.A. Knight hit him with like a uh, a DDT off the turnbuckle. And I thought L.A. Knight had hurt him, actually. I thought he had hurt him. But they all in all, they put on like a pretty great match, right? And like I say, L.A. Knight won because he needed to win. I wanted L.A. Knight to win. The fans want L.A. Knight to win. We all want L.A. Knight to win on a big stage. I want L.A. Knight to be a mainstay pay-per-view guy. Going forward, at least for the next year, he should always have a match with somebody on the pay-per-view because that's what, as we as fans, we really want to see. So LA Knight beats him. LA Knight beats The Miz. The crowd goes crazy. And one thing I thought was really cool was at the end of the match as LA Knight walks up the ramp, him and John seem to have a little moment where they're talking. And it's kind of hard to, you know, LA Knight's the type of guy where, he wears that character. Like he wears that character. Like there's like no fake in it, right? You can't, you know, like when I watch somebody like Ricochet, when I watch somebody like Ricochet or when I watch some of these other guys, I can kind of see through their character. Like it's not like legit. No disrespect to Ricochet. He's, you know, some some guys just don't have that talent. Some guys are great in the ring, like Ricochet is, but some guys they just don't live their character. And L.A. Knight just lives this character right now. And John Cena passed him on the back and said, hey, this is your moment. And right now, this is his moment. And I hope nothing derails it. I hope nothing derails it. I hope L.A. Knight keeps pushing forward. But L.A. Knight, LA Knight wins, and I will give that match a... I got to give it a B. I gotta give it a B. I was real close to actually giving it a C, right? Because once again, it's not a pay per view match. It was. It was not. It was not a pay per view match. All right. I'm just gonna be flat out. It was a main event. It was a SmackDown main event match. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Not ragging on it because I enjoyed myself. I like SmackDown. I enjoyed it. 
But I said, just wasn't a pay-per-view caliber match. And so the next match, okay, uh, spoiler alert, this was the worst match of the night. We have Rey Mysterio versus Austin Theory. I said LA Knight versus The Miz was a SmackDown main event. Rey Mysterio versus Austin Theory was a bad SmackDown main event. It was just not good. I, I, okay, so I don't know what happened to Austin Theory. Right over Overnight, I went for this dude's got it to this dude is boring as shit in the ring. And maybe it's because he's fighting Rey Mysterio. I like Rey. Rey comes out, uh, actually, too, Rey comes out, uh, his ring attire is sick, man. Rey Mysterio has the best walking into the ring attire, in the ring attire, out of anybody. Like, this dude, he's always been good at this. He's always been great. He's He's been dope at this for years, man. Like, I remember when he was coming out in the Marvel-inspired mask, like, yo, that was tight. Even his time at WCW, he's always had, like, that look. But Ray comes out, Austin Theory comes out, boy, you know, eight tile down, all that stuff. And then Ray comes out with the LWO, the LWO. They're not really pushing these guys. Like, they're pushing, like, Pablo a little bit. Um, they're pushing him, but they're not really pushing anybody. Selena Vega's doing okay. Um, she's doing well enough. She has a couple good matches here and there, but she's not featured on a very consistent basis, in my opinion. But LWO looks like they're having fun. I don't think they're going anyway because it looks like Ray is going to keep pushing them for a while, which is good. I'm kind of hoping that we get an LWO, not versus Judgment Day, but an LWO versus Dom. That's what I want to see. I actually want to see Dom run through the LWO to get to Ray. Like him and Ray just have this match at WrestleMania. I think that would be really good. They should book it. But they got to book Dom Strong, though. He's not kind of at that point in his career just yet. Uh, he's getting there. We actually will talk about that. But I will say for a championship belt match, this was pretty much throwaway. It's pretty much a throwaway match. It wasn't good. You know, it kind of went the way you think it would go because Austin Theory is about a foot taller than Ray, even though I don't think Austin Theory is like that tall of a guy. But it's like a foot taller than Ray. Of course, he powers Ray. Power bomb, throws him around the ring. Yada, yada, yada. We've seen that before a thousand times. You know, Ray does his thing, hits him with a 619, wraps it up, goes home. That match was not 619. I think he did a schoolboy pin, something like that. Or 619. Like I said, I just, the match was a C. A C minus, actually. Those two guys have no chemistry with each other in the ring, like whatsoever. Like the Miz, so Becky and Trish had chemistry. Becky and Trish had chemistry. L.A. Knight and the Miz, especially if you include John Cena, had a lot of damn chemistry. Had a lot of chemistry. But Theory and Ray, I would not put those guys in a match together again. I think they're both really good. Well, they're both good. I like Theory. He gets boring sometimes because Theory is not a guy that you can put with everybody. Theory is Theory is not the guy that you can put with every single wrestler and he'll have a great match with. 
he just can't do it, right? That's no disrespect to him because I think Theory is actually great on the mic. I think he's wonderful on the mic. I think he can cut a promo very, very well. But he can't have stellar matches with everybody. And not every wrestler can have a stellar match with every wrestler. We know Ray's pedigree. He's a god doggone Hall of Famer. He's going to be considered one of probably, you can probably look at it right now. Ray Mysterio is probably going to be in the top five, top ten best wrestlers of all time if we're looking at it. Like up there, like, you know, I don't have a list out here in front of me because I didn't think of breaking it down, but Ray's good too. And Ray and Theory put on a serviceable match. It was serviceable. So, and I know what you're getting ready to think when I say this. We had the Judgment Day versus Kevin Owens. <laughs> oh, shit. We had the, the Judgment Day versus Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn again. Again, for the umpteenth time. Like, I haven't seen this every single Monday night for half a year or for five months because I believe that's how long uh, Kevin, Ho- Kevin, o- Kevin Owens, KO, I'm just going to call him KO, KO and Sammy have actually had the belts. They have it for a while. Spoiler alert, I do not like Sammy and, Ke- and Kevin Owens as tag team champions. They're best friends. And I like them. But I do not like them together. They're not peanut butter and chocolate. They're like peanut butter and eggs. No. I don't have anything good to go with that, right? They're just not <clears throat> they're not peanut butter and chocolate together. Name me two things. One or two things are great, but they'll go together. Oh, no, you put avocados on damn everything. I think they even have avocado ice cream. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they do. Do they have avocado ice cream? I was thinking something with avocados, but I effing love avocados. Avocado ice cream. Oh, shit. Yeah, they do make avocado ice cream. Huh. Son of a bitch. Uh, eggs and chocolate. All right, that works. That sounds like a gut buster, right? Separately, delicious. Together, fucking terrible. Uh, so the Judgment Day and KO and Sammy have a Steel City Street fight for the undisputed WWE tag team titles. Tag team titles. They call it a Steel City Street fight because they're in Pittsburgh. It's just a street fight. They beat the shit out of each other. It was actually like a really good match. You know, I ragged on AEW last week for having like that bullshit ass stadium stampede. But this actually made sense and it was it was well put together. So one thing I liked about this match, it, it just wasn't Sammy and KO versus Finn and Damian Priest. There was it was those two versus the entire judgment day. Because the match starts off counting about what you think. They're just trading blows, beating the hell out of each other. Then they actually start going under the ring. They start pulling out kendo t- sticks. They kind of start pulling out like yellow flags. There was actually one spot where <laughs> Finn Balor 
takes the flag, starts waving it, throws it on the ground, and steps on it. And, you know, of course, the Steeler fans are like, yo, it's BS. Then Kevin Owens comes around the corner, clocks him, you know, and the crowd reacted very, very well to that. The crowd was pretty much into it like the entire match. Uh, <laughs> so there's another spot that was funny is that KO and Sammy actually get Kendo sticks from under the ring and they take a trash can and they put it on top of Finn Balor's head. And they just start whack-a-moling this shit. They just start whacking the hell out of trash can on top of Finn's head. It was funny. It was a good spot. You know, it was a very good spot. It was more comical than anything else. We kind of know, okay, it didn't really hurt Finn. But the crowd really got into it. Like, it was just a real genuine reaction. Now, I'm not a fan of these two together, but they still get a really, really great pop. And it was nice that... Oh. What the fuck happened? All right, some happened to my mic. There we go. All right, so I'm not, like I said, once again, I'm not a fan of these guys. I think they're boring together. Let me make sure I said it. I think they are boring together, but the, the crowd really likes them. They really, really like them. You know, as the match goes along, you know, they the, the tides always shift. Right now, KO and Sammy are, you know, beating the Judgment Day's ass. But the Judgment Day start to turn around, especially we get the tables out there. Uh, they start hitting each other with chairs. They just start having fun. Now, they didn't cut each other open uh, like Mox and some of those other guys. And when things really start getting interesting is when they actually go out into the stands. That's when the MVP of the Judgment Day shows up and that's Dominic Mysterio. He runs up on there, starts beating him up a little bit, beats up Sam and beats up KO and he really makes his presence known and WWE is great. You gotta keep using Dom right now because the heat that he generates is absurd. To this day, that man cannot hold up a mic <laughs> to his face without the crowd booing him excessively. Right? They boo him like crazy. Uh, doo -doo -doo -doo. Okay, <laughs> so there's three spots I want to talk about. Uh, so they throw, so there's a part where they throw Kevin and Sammy uh, behind like the uh, the desk, and when they <laughs> pop up from behind the desk, they're wearing like these penguin uniforms, like the Pittsburgh Penguins. And once again, Bedlam ensues. We'll just skip forward a little bit. There's this one spot they, you know, they they beat each other with hockey sticks and stuff like that too. That that part is pretty funny. Uh, but there's one part where Kevin Owens actually sets up a table outside of the ring and does a swan ton bomb. It was cool shit. Does a swan ton bomb off of like the rafters or like the railings. I, I don't know how exactly how you want to call it. But it was dope. You know, Kevin still got it, man. Kevin still got it. I think Kevin is... All right, not a big fan of Kevin, right? But I think Kevin in the right situation is really good, and I give him hella credit because he always puts on a good match. And he hit Dom with the Swanton Bomb. <laughs> Dom is taking these bumps. He's taking these bumps like a champ. And now we're going to talk about the last spot before we actually wrap the match up. So after all the fighting outside of the ring, uh, 
J.D. McDonough? That's his name? Am I saying it right? Yeah, J.D. McDonough. He comes out and interrupts because he's, of course, trying to audition for the uh, Judgment Day. And somebody showed a picture of J.D. McDonough cropped as Lord Farquaad from Shrek, and I cannot unsee that. Cannot unsee that. Okay, so out of nowhere... Kevin Owens whoops up on uh, JD outside of the ring. Out of nowhere comes Rhea Ripley wearing like this China-inspired attire for her match. Spears Kevin Owens. Spears him right through like the barricade. Rhea's doing her thing. She's doing her thing. She's not doing her thing as a... As a... Uh, I don't want to say this, right? So Rhea hasn't had the best title defense, but she's been a great champion. She's always in the mix of the Judgment Day. She's always doing cool stuff with the Judgment Day. So even though she's not fighting like epic matches, even though she's not fighting like the, she's not fighting the top talent, right? She ain't fighting Oscar right now. She ain't fighting Becky right now. She ain't fighting, uh, she ain't fighting uh, Bianca right now. She's not fighting EO. She's not fighting any of the other top female wrestlers. But her popularity is still there because she's doing cool stuff in relation to the Judgment Day. All right, so fast forward a little bit, right? Fast forward a little bit. This is what I call Dom the MVP. So Sammy does a halluva kick. He's going to get ready to pin Finn. Balor and out of nowhere comes Dominic Mysterio with the money in the bank briefcase and hits Sammy right on the top of his head and Finn Balor pins him one, two, three. Now, when this happened, I was genuinely excited. I was like, oh, fucking K, here we go. The Judgment Day got all the gold, right? So Finn, Finn and Damien are tag team champions. Dom is the North American champion. Rhea is the Raw Women's champion. They, at this point, the prophecy, the spoken prophecy is now true that the Judgment Day run the WWE. They run the WWE. They are they are a great heel group. They are a great group together. They're fun to watch. They fight like a family would fight, right? Like they fight like brothers and sisters would fight over like the mundane and like the dumb stuff. And when they win, they win like a family. Like they seem genuinely happy for one another when someone just achieves like this milestone and they hate everybody else at the same time. They're just a they're just a great family. This is a great family. I just love them. I just love watching these guys. Now it does get a little boring when they fight the same people every week. Not gonna lie, right? When they fight the same people every week. It does get a touch boring. Just I'm not gonna BS you there. Touch boring. But I still like them. Still like them. They're great, and I'm glad. That they have all the champions championships. I'm just kind of confused why Damian Priest hasn't tried to cash in the money in the bank in like two months.
I am confused by that. But good match overall. That match, in my opinion, that match was a, uh, I got to give it an A. I got to give it an A, bro. I got to give it an A. I, I loved it. I had a lot of fun. It was a nice send-off for uh, Sammy and KO, but I think KO is hurt for real. I think he's hurt, like, real, real bad. Um, I think he's been just kind of dealing with it. But the dude needs some time off, man. He just needs a little bit of time off. And that's all right. And I think he's going to get it. He deserves it, man. You know, he's a workhorse. He's been putting in the work. All right. All right. So uh, since this episode is coming out late, Cody doesn't have a match, which is kind of crazy, but he was still out there because Cody right now, as far as faces go in wrestling, Cody is a top face. Uh, but he shows up on a Grayson Waller effect, and he announced that Jay Uso is now going to be on Monday Night Raw, that he's defecting from defecting from SmackDown because all the stuff that's going on with the bloodline. Let's see if I can actually... And they also introduced his new theme song. Let's see if I can play it. I wonder if I get copyright strike. All right, hold on one second. You do it. Now? All right, not working. Member of the Monday Night Raw roster, main event, Jay Uso. Wow. Blockbuster announcement. It's just me, Oos. Yo, I like his theme song. A lot of people say, like, yo, it's, like, real generic. I simply do not care. I like his theme song. Now, um, the crowd actually went nuts. The crowd went even crazier on Monday Night Raw. So you can't tell me this Bloodline thing still ain't working, still ain't popular, man. So it was, it was cool to see Jay. You know, I thought he was done. You know, I thought it was like a rap for him. I don't know what he's going to do now that he's on Monday Night Raw. I don't know who he's going to beef with. I don't know who he's going to fight. I have no idea whatsoever. But it is good to see him and his brother finally separate. I think they've only, I think they've only had a handful of single singles matches. I'm just trying to think. Like, I've, you know, I'm just trying to think off the top of my head. They haven't had a lot of single matches. But uh, Jay's on uh, Raw, Jimmy's on SmackDown. Great, whatever. I'm cool with it. I love it. Let's see what they can do as single competitors. But Jay is like, as it stands right now, without much going into it, Jay is dumb over. Like, that crowd at Pittsburgh went nuts. And also that crowd on Monday Night Raw, the Raw after also went insane. All right. And so it kind of goes the way you expect it. He kicks Grayson Waller in the face. And that is that. Now, where are we? Now, we get Rhea Ripley versus Raquel Rodriguez. <sighs> okay. Was this match a good match? It was an okay match. 
Do I think Raquel? Do I think Raquel or Raquel? I don't even want to say it. Raquel. <laughs> Raquel is on a level to where she can actually have a great, great, like, pay-per-view caliber match with Rhea Ripley? I don't think so. She's just not there yet. And it's hard to say that because her and Rhea actually came up around about the same time. Like, they got into the business, like, almost the exact same time. But, but Raquel, she's just not there yet. I don't know whether she's stiff or I don't know whether. I'm, I'm just not sure. But if you look at her physically, right? If you look at her physically, like, if you look at all her physical traits and aspects, she should be doing a lot of work right now because she's, she's she's a little bit taller than most females on the roster. She's damn sure a lot stronger than a lot of females on the roster. She should, she should just be she should be doing a little bit better work right now. But I wasn't too enthralled in the match. It was once again it was a SmackDown main event, right? It was a, it was a SmackDown main event through and through. They take a couple bumps here and there, but. I mean, I said, once again, I wasn't in love with it. I'm not going to go into too much detail about it because I thought I was throwaway. I'd probably give the match a C minus flat out. Now, one thing that gets me is that Rhea Ripley, like her nose always bleeds. If you guys have noticed that lately, like I don't know whether it's like she's out of condition or something like that, or maybe these, maybe these females are just are. Catching her the wrong way, but she she bleeds from her nose a lot. I think they're just grazing it because I know if you look at her characteristics, let me see if there's a close up shot of her. Yeah, her nose is a little pointy, but Rhea was very dominant. She was booked quite strong, she's booked very, very dominant. Uh, even though Raquel is about a little bit taller than her, and I and one can make the case a little bit stronger. Rhea was still quite physically, quite dominant the entire match. Like, they didn't book Raquel very strong at all. At least to me, I don't think they did. But one thing about Rhea, no matter who she's wrestling against, she does a good job of just keeping you entertained. She's just got the look. She's got the look and attitude. Like, she's got those two things, like, 100% figured out. Her in-ring work is also great. Don't get me wrong, but her look at attitude is just figured the hell out. Like she's just got it. Like she like that mommy thing, like she embraced that. She embraced that full heartedly. And she changed her style up a lot. But uh yeah, see the not the worst match of the night. Definitely not the best match. And once again, so there's one spot in the match where and I think this is close to the end. There's one spot where Raquel was doing her thing. She's beating Rhea up pretty good. And out comes Dirty Dominic Mysterio. Interfering in the match, right? So he doesn't, you know, they do a good job when he does these spots with female wrestlers. He doesn't, like, hit them or anything. Most of the time he gets, like, slapped or he just distracts them. But he distracts Raquel long enough he actually takes the bump, too. I think she, like, suplexes him, right, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, he distracts Raquel long enough for Rhea to capitalize on it. Pin her ass, one, two, three. 
Dominic Mysterio is the MVP of the Judgment Day. And right now, there's two things that WWE can't get enough of. Or they should, or something, this is something they should use every chance they get. Every chance they get to use Dom, use Dom. Every chance you get to use LA Knight, use LA Knight. Trust me, people will tune in for that. And once again, the Judgment Day run WWE. Uh, uh, what else? Okay, we'll talk about that a little bit. Now we get to the final match. We get Seth freaking Rollins versus Shinsuke Nakamura. And I got to say, if you put it all together, this should have been Shinsuke's night. Because the buildup was fierce. The buildup was great. You know, I think the best thing that they did for Shinsuke Nakamura or that they could do for any foreign-born wrestler or foreign-raised wrestler who is more comfortable with their native language, they should allow them to speak in their native language. Finn cut promos via video packages in his native language saying things that he wants to say. And in those video packages, they subtitled them. Shinsuke came off strong. He came off powerful. He came off intense. He came off as a real threat in a way that we haven't heard or seen from him in a long time because he was able to speak and act in a natural way. The big thing about wrestling, right? The big thing about wrestling, this is why KFAB was such a big thing back in the day, is that we believe. I believe Cody Rhodes is going to finish his story. I believe that Roman Reigns is the head of the table. I believe that Brock Lesnar is a animal. I believe because he was actually to do it in a natural way that Shinsuke Nakamura is a threat to Seth freaking Rollins. I believe because Shinsuke was able to act in a natural way that he is able to take that belt, hold that belt, and put on some of the best matches we have ever seen. Because now I naturally believe him. I gravitate gravitate to him a little bit more now because he's coming off natural. This feels like the real Shin. This doesn't feel like a character. This feels like Shin the man, Shin the person. Like when he, like, you know, as he said in the promo, I know about your back. I feel like Shin will actually assassinate Seth. Like he can do it. But that's the storyline. Uh, Seth Rollins' back is messed up. He says back is like messed up in two different places. And Shin says, like, hey, I'm going to break you apart. I'm going to break you apart. You're not going to be able to hug your wife. You're not going to be able to hug your daughter. Like, they're going to have to carry you out of this thing on the stretcher. So the buildup was great. You know, Seth, Seth's always been good on the mic. Seth, Seth kind of has it all. He's got the raw talent. Uh, he's got the charisma. Once again, like you don't feel like this is a character. Like you, Seth feels very real. Like he made his character real. And he's a good wrestler. 
He's a good wrestler. He's been doing it for years now. You know, now I think about it. He, he's just really good at what he does. But they put on a solid match. The match was about 30... How long is this thing? The match was about four, almost 40 minutes long, right? And they kind of went toe-to-toe. They booked Shin very, very, very strong, right? And that's how you're supposed to book a heel most of the time. He was supposed to be booked very strong. And Seth took a lot of bumps off his back. Michael Cole played it up. The announcers played it up. The moveset played it up. Like, all of that worked really, really well. Uh, Shinsuke came out. And one thing I like about Shinsuke is they focus very heavily on the strikes with him. Like, the flying knees, the chops, all that. And Shinsuke really put on a clinic. Like, he really dismantled Seth. Like, he, he went for a very specific spot. And he just attacked it. They booked him as a very strong heel. And, you know, I thought I thought this was going to be Shinsuke's night, too, because they had the great Muda in the crowd. The great Muda is like uh, his mentor. You know, it was like his mentor. So they had him out there as well. But Shinsuke, they put on a great match. If I had to give it anything, I'm going to give it a, uh, I'll give it an A+. Plus. In my mind, that was the best match of the night. They didn't go outside of the ring. They didn't hit each other with tables, ladders, and chairs, all that BS. They just went after for went after it, like one move after another. Like it was really good. Now, Seth did come out on top. That's okay. That's okay. Cause you know the way they do things in WWE now is like they try to allow you to have your belt for quite some time. So I'm okay with that. But if Shisuke would have won, I would have been okay with that too. Uh how did they wrap this one up? They kind of go, they trade blow for blows for a while. Like, Shisuke got to the point of, like, yo, I'm just tired of kicking this man in his face. Like, I cannot, like, put Seth down. And Seth, you know, they booked him like a face, so he's got the heart of the champion. He's got to, he kicks out of everything, every single thing. Like, Shisuke feels like he can't do enough to put this man down. Like, no matter what, despite killing this man, despite, <laughs> despite shooting him with a gun, there's nothing he can do. But uh, what happens is the way they finish the match, Shinsuke goes in for the roll-up pin. Uh, Seth rolls out of it, which is pretty cool. Hits him with the curb stomp. Hey, that's match. So all in all, I thought Payback was an excellent pay-per-view. Uh, there were some low spots, right? Rey Mysterio versus Austin Theory. And they also had the, uh, the Grayson Waller effect on show they didn't need that not for pay-per-view but it was nice to see uh to see uh jay nice to see jay i think that was the biggest surprise of the whole pay-per-view it was, it was very nice to see jay uh the but all the other matches were good right all the other matches were great jay was back and i think this was also a wasted opportunity for wwe because if you look at it seth the way they book seth he's never been weaker He's never been weaker. Like, they show him actually trying to crawl out of the ring before they cut away. So he crawls out of the ring, and once they go to Monday Night Raw, the Raw after, he even says that, hey, he says this during his promo, that my wife had to roll me out of here in a wheelchair. So he's never been booked weaker than what he's booked right now, but they don't have Damian Priest cash in the money in the bank? Crazy. But uh, B-plus show, B-plus show, B-plus thought it was great. You know, not the greatest, 
Not the greatest thing of the year, but it's a very, very solid WWE promo. Not promo, pay-per-view. Jesus. All right, guys. Brief intermission. Let me give me a bottle of water, and then we're going to talk about the AEW side of things. Me, Oos. Day one is just me, Oos. Day one is just me. It's just me, Oos. Yeah, riding solo tonight. That's my high quality hydration. Just your boy tonight. But we actually got a lot of stuff I got to record, man. It is crazy. Uh, so I actually don't know what I'm going to record next. I, I said I was going to do this, and so I did this. I like to be the man of my word. I was going to do this anyway. It was pretty cool to watch all this. Uh, but I also, I got to record Angle. I got to record Angle. I got to record... One Piece, the One Piece live action, but I have to actually watch that. So I got to either try to watch that this weekend, but that's like six hours, though. I can do it. Hey, Max. All right, guys, just like everything in my life, I am very, very, very underprepared. Uh, where do I want to go? Oh, all in, baby. Oh, wait, no. That's last week. All out, baby. All out. All in, all out. All in, all out. I see how I get my notes. So, I'm going to do something very, very blasphemous. I'm going to give all out and pay back the same review. They are B pluses. They're both B plus programs. They're both good. They had some glaring flaws. They weren't perfect, but for what they were, they were actually pretty doggone good. Now, I think they have some pre-show stuff. I watched absolutely none of that shit. I mean, none of it. I, I watched none of that shit. So I started the all out on the Dark Order versus MJF and Cole or Better Than You, baby. Is that their tag team name? Or is that just their shirt name? <laughs> Fight for the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championships. See me, the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championships. Hey guys, I want to be 100% honest with you. This was the most throwaway bullshit of the night. 
This was just some throwaway bullshit, man. There is no... There's no damn way the Dark Order is going to be is going to beat MJF and Cole. It's just it's just no way. It's no effing way whatsoever. And the minute I saw this match on the card, I was like, wow, this is going to be some bullshit. And let me tell you what the match did. The match was absolute dog shit. I like, yo, what am I doing, man? What am I doing? Am I literally here just to watch MJF and Cole do a double clothesline? Because that was it. That was the only thing about this match that was actually worth a damn. Now, there's one part where Max was selling an injury. You know, he gets... Sometimes Max... I think Max is great. I actually... I love MJF. I love MJF. I love MJF. I like MJF. We need more of MJF. But there is just some spots where he doesn't come off. You know, he says the devil has arrived. There's spots where he just comes off like a little bitch. And I mean that. And us as MJF fans have to say this out loud. He is great. He is a pleasure he is an absolute joy, but there are times where he sounds like an absolute, absolute little effing baby. And there was a spot where he takes the bad bump. Oh, I'm hurt. I'm hurt. I'm hurt. I'm cold. I'm hurt. I'm like, bro, shut the fuck up, man. Like, Max, bro, you're better than this, Max. You're better than this. I'm hurt so bad, Cole. Somebody's got to get me out of here. And we're like, oh, he's selling the injury. Man, whatever, yo. It's BS. It's BS. I don't understand theatrics, of course. Dude, I've been watching wrestling forever. I get the theatrics, but there is a term called overselling. There is a term called overselling. Uh, but there's one. Okay, so Max kind of fakes his injury, or he gets injured, yada, yada, yada. That leaves Cole with the Dark Order. And somehow they still want us to believe that, oh, the Dark Order's going to beat them. Yeah. No, not going to happen. Complete throwaway match, three bullshit. I actually give it a D. Yes, I gave a match with Maxwell Jacob Freeman a D. I should give it a D minus of how bullshit this match was. And Max comes running back out to the ring. Oh, take me a cold double clothesline. It's bullshit. This is your top guy. This is your top guy. I don't care what character they're trying to build. This is still your top effing guy. Book him like it. Book him like he's your top guy. Your top guy has to fight top talent, right? Your top guy has to... He's got to be booked that way. Book him like he matters, man. They should be fighting... You know, if they're going to do these tag team belts, if they're going to fight as a tag team, they should be fighting fucking FTR. They should be fighting like Juice Robinson and and, 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 uh, Goss Rock, I don't remember his name, Jay White. They should be fighting some of the better tag teams that are on the roster instead of whatever this crap is. Kangaroo kick, double clothesline. But the AEW faithful, boy, they eat it up. They can't wait to have it. They can't wait to have it. But you know what the best thing about this match was? As Cole and MJF are actually walking out of the ring, (laughs) out comes Samoa Joe. 
outcome Samoa Joe because guess what uh, and of course they win like I'm not even gonna critique the match because it's bullshit so of course they win Joe comes out plays his theme music and as Max walks by Joe Joe pushes him Joe pushes MJF I'm like uh oh we got something here we got something here because I would love to see I would love to see MJF versus Samoa Joe. So Joe pushes him. Uh, MJF builds up his courage. He's like, man, you really pushed me? He runs out to the ring, attacks Joe. Joe gets him in like this sleeper hole, chokes him out. Security comes out, and they separate him. So uh, Samoa Joe and MJF actually had a real good promo. Uh What's tonight? Tonight's Thursday. So that'd be... Well, it's Thursday when I'm recording it. I'll probably release this Friday or Saturday. So MJF and Samoa Joe had cut, had a promo together on Wednesday night. And that build-up for their match, that's how you book your effing top guy, bro. That's how you book your top guy. You don't have your top guy in a pay-per-view with some bullshit-ass tag team titles wrestling the bullshit-ass Dark Order. You book your top guy against another top guy. You put your top guy, MJF, versus Samoa Joe. That is what you do. That is how you book something. That is how you build something up. Stop playing my boy MJF like a chump. He's not a chump. He's the top guy. This is blasphemy. You guys are going to hate me when I say this. You guys are going to hate me when I say this. But remove him from Adam Cole. Remove him. Strip him of the Ring of Honor belts. I don't care how you do it. He shouldn't lose. Strip him of it. Just say, hey, I relinquish these crap belts. I don't want them. Give them away. Have Cole play with his butt buddy, Roddy Strong. And have MJF do some real top guy shit. We got an argument with a dude online the other day. Well, what MJF doing is better than what they got going on with Roman Reigns and the bloodline. Bullshit. Bullshit. I'm not going to get into this thing where who's the better wrestler. I'm not getting into that, right? That's not what I'm here for. But they don't book Roman like some damn chump. Who did Roman face in the last WrestleMania? Cody Rhodes. Who did Roman Reigns face at the last WrestleMania? Cody Rhodes. Who did MJF face at all in? Adam Cole, baby. Yeah, whatever, bro. Miss me with that shit. All right, rant over. Uh, so now the next match, this is actually pretty good. This was Samoa Joe versus, uh, Shane Taylor. Yeah, it was Samoa Joe versus Shane Taylor for the Ring of Honor World Television Championship. Now, I don't really watch any Ring of Honor at all, so my... So my knowledge of Shane Taylor is actually quite limited. It was very, very limited because I don't recall ever seeing him wrestle. I may have. I just forgot it. 
But it was it was very limited. Now, when I went into this match, I went into this match with a very open mind. Okay, so I like Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe has put on some really good matches in the past. He's he's done it in the present. And I know he's going to do it in the future. So I know Joe is actually going to have a really good match. But the way they booked Shane, wow, that was good. You know what this fight was? This fight was a heavyweight bout. We had two big guys in the ring going at it one after another. And they were like brawls, right? So they're, they're brawlers. So it wasn't a lot of like some of the other things you see in AEW, like they're jumping through the ropes, all that. It was suplexes, there were slams, there were punches, or all that stuff, man. Like all the stuff that, that you really like and what you really got to see. Now, I do think Joe had one spot where he jumped out of the, uh, jumped out of the ropes. Yeah, I think he had one spot like that. But, you know, it wasn't really the match there. Uh, but pound for pound, they went after it, man. They went after it. They really put on, like, a really, really dope match. But Joe is still, as he was in the past, still a very powerful striker. Um, and that's what he did. He just outmaneuvered. He outmaneuvered and he outstruck. I think I'm saying that right. Outstrike Shane. And he puts him in the headlock. Shane taps out. Game over. But it was a dope match. I gotta get that match at eight. I have to get that match at eight. Right, that match was just top notch, and it was a nice palate cleanser from that BS that I watched right before it. So whereas I thought they ruined the night with the entry match, Joe and Shane made up right after it. Like right after that, they made up for it. So that was that was very solid. Then we go into the TBS championship, a championship that, uh, no, excuse me, the TNT championship, a championship that we should not have uh, at all. <clears throat> we should not have a TNT championship, in my opinion. We got Luchasaurus versus Darby Allen. Now, I'm actually surprised that Darby, <laughs> excuse me, we have Luchasaurus and the TNT champion, <laughs> uh, Christian. So if anybody who's been following this, Christian is not the TNT champion. Luchasaurus is the champion. But Christian walks around with the belt. <laughs> Father of the year, who is your daddy? That is Christian. So I'm actually surprised that Darby made it to this match. Because Darby hurt his back pretty bad in that uh, coffin match. With uh, Sting, was it Sting, Juice? Not Juice, excuse me. It was Sting. It was him and Sting versus Swerve and Christian. But Darby was hurt pretty bad. But Darby, I say this all the time. That boy's got a little Spike Dudley in him. Because he takes some hella bumps. He takes some hella bumps. I think uh, Trevor referred to him as a as a crash test dummy, but he takes a pretty damn bad bumps, and I kind of wish he wouldn't. Like I'm sick of him like destroying his body like this, man. Because in ten years, man, he's not gonna be able to do a damn thing. He's gonna be too hurt. Uh, this match was essentially another throwaway match. You know, I was just. I don't know. This was not a good match to follow up the match that we got right before it. It's kind of hard. I think I think in my scenario, it was kind of hard for me to actually enjoy this match because it was just Darby Allen getting his ass kicked. Luchasaurus was just throwing him around the ring. 
I mean, Darby had some offense, but his back was messed up, and Luchasaurus was just throwing him. He choked him with, like, his back strap and all that. His garbage. Uh, Luchasaurus wins. Uh, what am I going to give this? C minus. Nah, I give it a C plus. Christian was there. He was pretty cool. <laughs> and for the love of God, could you stop torturing Nick Wayne? So Christian is about to hit Darby with a concerto. And then the Lucha Stores grabs him. And Darby's like, grab him. Like, no. Not Darby. Uh, Lu- uh, Nick Wayne's like, no. Move, Darby. He's going to kill you. No. Yeah, Christian's about to hit him with a concerto. And then out rushes the riffraff from the back who never wrestled on the TV. And that's how it is. Yeah, C plus. No, C minus. Edit it. So, and it seems like the. It seems like the formula for AEW, at least for this pay-per-view, is one good match, one bad match. One good match, one bad match. Now, we just had a bad match. Now, we get a good match. We get Miro versus Hobbs. You know, I almost skipped this. I'm like, you know what? I just don't. And it's it is weird because I like both these guys. I really do. I really like both these guys. I really physique wise, you know, they look like they can hurt you. Miro is still really good, or Rusev, or you want to call him. He's still athletic. He's still very. He still got the juice. And I think Hobbs is one of like the next guys up. But I feel like Hobbs loses way more than he wins. But pound for pound, they put on one hell of a match. And the crowd. And they're like beating the shit out of each other. The crowd's like beat. Like they're like slapping each other. Slap that beat. Slap that beat. Slap that beat. And they're like knocking each other around. So the crowd was really into this match. I was into it too. And I think, you know, and I mentioned it before. That's, I just, I just love it when the crowd's into a match, man. That, that makes the show for me. You know, sometimes the crowd can make the show or sometimes the show can entice the crowd. And Miro versus Hobbs just enticed the crowd because they're just wailing on each other, bro. They're just beating the shit out of each other. Like, if you watch these guys, you know how physically imposing they are. Look at Hobbs. Hobbs can rip somebody's legs off. Look at Miro. He can rip somebody's arms off. And they play into that. They play into this powerful, like, aggressive submission style of fight. They really get after it. I will give this match a... A... I'll give it a day. You know, Rusev makes Hobbs tap out. Hobbs taps. I hate it when people tap, uh, especially when I think there's a guy that's going to like the next level who has the potential to go to the next level. So Miro makes Hobbs tap. 
Snatch over. Uh, pretty good. Give it like an A. Uh, then we get, what, what's her name? Uh, her. So WWE, WWE, her name was Lana Rusev's, or not Rusev's, Biro. I'm sorry. Biro's wife. So Hobbs gets up, hits Miro in the back, knocks him out, and he's like choking a little, beating the shit out of him. And then CJ Perry, CJ Perry. So Lana's Lana's name is CJ Perry, and she runs out with the chair, hits Hobbs with it. So I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. I don't know how I feel about that. I kind of like. I kind of like Miro by itself. I kind of do. I kind of like Miro by itself, but it's still it's nice to see her. Like she's she's very attractive woman. She's very attractive. She's very beautiful. Uh, I know she's gonna get the crowd like pumping when she gets out there, but I don't know like what she's gonna offer here in the future because she's not gonna wrestle anybody. No, that's not right. I think she was, before she left WWE, she was wrestling a little bit. I think she was wrestling with, uh, I think they were having Nia Jax abuse her, actually. Isn't that the case? Like, Yeah, that's right. So before she left WWE, she was wrestling, and she was getting her butt kicked. Like, they actually had a storyline where Nia Jax was, like, straight up abusing her. And I did not like that. Yeah, Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler was, like, straight up abusing her, and I I didn't think that was cool. I didn't, I didn't like how they booked that. So I hope she gets a little bit more redemption. Uh... At her time at AEW, if she decides to actually wrestle. Yeah, so if she if she actually wrestles, which I, I don't think she will. I don't think she will. I just think she'll do what she'll do with Miro and that'll be that. But I just I just don't like how they did that. I don't like how they did her. Because they were putting her through tables. They made her look really, really bad. And I did not enjoy that whatsoever. And I think that was all 20, that was like all 2020 through 2021. They were treating her like shit. So WWE, man, I, I have, I've, I, I have my issues with WWE. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes they book their talent just absolutely wrong. And Lana was a person that they booked terribly. Like, I felt like they were just bullying her, man. They were just bullying the hell out of her. Like gimmick wise, it wasn't even it wasn't even like a good gimmick. It wasn't anything good about what they were doing to her. That was just straight up bullying. And I know some people gotta get squashed. That's just the nature of the business. Some people get squashed. You have jobbers. You have some people that just get their ass kicked. That is literally the nature of the beast. But this is every Monday night on Raw. Every Monday night on Raw. And I think this led to the infamous my hole. Y'all remember that? Let's see if I get a soundbite of it. My whole 
Curry and throw over this. Just, just, com- just compressing Lana's face against the mat. Once again, Lana at the mercy of Nia Jax now on Nia the Jax. apron. Oh, no. oh, wait, that wasn't right. That was still a funny video. I had that one saved. I think I had one saved where she's like, my whole. Did it? Just compressing Lana's face against the mat. Once again, Lana at the mercy of Nia Jax now on the apron. Oh, he drops tailbone first into the hardest part of the ring. Well, that's all steel reinforcement out there, Tom. Oh, Lana's still got five minutes. through the table. My hole. My hole. Hey guys, remember Carmen's real thing. Man, I got off rails like a some bitch. What was I doing? My whole Okay. Good match, bad match. Ruby Soho versus Chris Stanlander. You would think, okay, Ruby can wrestle. Chris is very talented. They could put on a good match together. Right? That's what you would think. In your mind, that's what you're thinking, right? You're like, you know what? This should actually be pretty good. It was shitty, right? It was terrible. Why am I here? What am I doing here? Why am I watching this? Because it was just not good. So let's put Chris Statlander and Ruby Soho side by side. Chris Statlander's probably got 80 pounds on her. No, not 80. 50. I'm not t- she's got about 50 pounds on her. And she's about a head taller than her. And that's no disrespect to Chris Statlander. That's no disrespect at all. Because that girl works out. She puts in that work. She's built like that for a real, for like a reason. And that's no disrespect to Ruby Soho because you, you are the way God made you. You know what I mean? That's just, just flat out, right? Like you are the way God made you. You know, you are what you are. You, you're going to be built a certain way, no matter what you want to do. Some people are built like One Piece characters. Some people are built like Adonis. It is simply life, right? There's just two ends to the spectrum. But they didn't really put on a great match, in my opinion. Chris Deadlander is super athletic, though. She did a lot of roll-ups, a lot of jumps-ups off the floor, stuff like that. And I do like her double... Stone Cold Steve Austin knee braces. <laughs> so what happens at the beginning of the match? Uh, Ruby comes out there with uh, what's Shorty's name now? Not Paige Soraya. There we go. I always call their WWE names. I'm so sorry. Like Lord, forgive me for that. Uh, it comes out there with Soraya because they're just trying to they, the Outcasts are trying to get all the gold. But there's one member of the Outcasts who is missing. So as we go through the match, Ruby Soho is having like a really hard time putting Chris Statlander away. God, where are my effing notes, bro? I don't know. Oh, oh, that's another sound bite. My hole! My hole! <laughs> and 
is because <laughs> uh, Chris Taylor is a TBS champion. That she that she won that from Jay Cargill. Uh, that was a while back. A while back. That was also BS. Uh, but we are missing one. We're missing my hole. Jesus Christ, man. Get it together, buddy. You are a professional. Professional BSer. Uh, such is life. All right, there we go. There we go. Sometimes Microsoft Word or the person that uses Microsoft Word doesn't know what the hell they're doing. Bam. Yeah, so there's no Tory Storm because this is a, a direct result of what happened at All In. Uh, her and Sarai got into it, and now we're assuming the outcast or the outcast including Tony Storm or no, no more. So Tony Storm, or at least the way they want you to believe, is Tony Storm is hiding under the ring the entire time. And then there's a spot where Ruby Soho gets like the little green outcast miss. She's going to spray Chris Statlander with it and win the belt. But Tony Storm takes the spray. And Chris Statlander does whatever her move is that I can swear I can't remember because it just is what it is. It's like a little modified power driver, whatever the name of it. But she uses it to beat Ruby Soho. Um, yeah. This women's division just needs work. It just needs work, man. I just can't get into it. I'm trying. I'm trying. Now, don't get me wrong. I like Tony Storm. I think she's good. I like Karo Yoshida. Yoshida. Karo Yoshida. I think she's good. But outside of those two, uh, maybe Sky Blue. Sky Blue some days. Oh, yeah, I'm not, a, I'm not a huge Sky Blue fan. But this, they just can't put on a good match, bro. I just, just don't see it. I just don't see them ever being able, at least for not for the foreseeable future. They got to get in the lab, man. They got to get in the lab. They got to build up. There's a lot of stuff they got to do. Because that women's division just ain't it. Uh, what I want to give it, just whatever C, whatever the letter is. I don't even think you know. Yeah. <sighs> now for the match of the night. We got the American Dragon, his triumphant return. We have the American Dragon, Brian Danielson. Versus Ricky Starks. I do not think it's a secret, but Brian Danielson has been, still is, my favorite wrestler of this generation. You put me in a room, you give me five wrestlers. Give me five wrestlers. Hey, man, you get to watch these dudes. These are going to be the top guys for the next 300 years. These five guys. You get to see them wrestle all the time. Uh, you get to see them fight the best of the best. You get to see them fight constantly. Like, hey, 
These top five guys are going to be eternal. As long as this world exists, they will exist in the world of wrestling. Daniel Bryan is going to be one. Or Bryan Danielson, excuse me. He's going to be one of them. Because the dude's got the, he's just got it, man. He's just it. He is just the guy. He is literally just that damn good at what he does. I have enjoyed watching him wrestle for years. 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 And when he comes out, because it's been a while. Dude, the crowd is electric. The crowd's, you know, he's playing, he's got new music. It's the final countdown. So that's his music now. Maybe it was music in the past. I can't remember. Uh, I say it's been a while since. Uh, I don't think he's wrestled since Forbidden Door. And I don't think the arm's fully healed either because he came back too fast. Too fast. Well, when was Forbidden Door? Let's Google it. Max, get off me. So for Forbidden Door 2023, it was in June. It says June. So I says June, July, August. But that was like June the 25th. So let's just say July and August. Wow, it's, it's really only been like two months. So yeah, it's only been like two months. He bounced back. I don't think the arm's fully healed, but. Daniel Bryan, uh, Bryan Danielson, excuse me. I always call him the WWE names, I'm sorry. Bryan Danielson does live a really, 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 really clean lifestyle. Like this dude eats clean, he works out, he really, he really takes care of himself. Like his, but outside of wrestling, because <laughs> if you put yourself in the wrestling ring, the dude is BS, go night in and night out. Night in and night out. It's got to be really hard to uh, preserve your body. But he really takes care of himself outside of the ring. Uh, so the match starts with Ricky the Steamboat coming out. Uh, so uh, let's see. The, let's get into the match. Let me go back to uh, where I want to go. So it starts off with Ricky coming out there so Ricky Steamboat Ricky Steamboat comes out right everybody loves Ricky Steamboat he's a damn legend Ricky the Dragon Steamboat he's a damn legend right and so he comes out there and he gets in the announcing booth and he's not an announcer he's not good at it he's not he's he's just not a great announcer Ricky Steamboat is a legend he is a hall of famer this dude you can't tell the story of wrestling Without some of his bouts with Ric Flair. You simply cannot tell the story of wrestling without him. I admit that. I'm okay with that. And he's a legend. And he must be revered and show respect. But whoever decided to put him on the mic made a bad choice. Because he sounded bad out there. He did not sound great on the mic. Because he's, he's an old guy. You know, he's, he's old, man. You know, no disrespect. No, no, once again, no disrespect to a legend. I'm not doing that. But he should not have been allowed out there. Get him off the mic. You know, there's, uh, I forget the British dude who does the commentary. But he says something. And then Ricky's like, well, it's what we do is what we do. He says that like back and back. I like just cut it out. But on to the match. Uh, Danielson and Ricky, Ricky Starks, 
they whipped the shit out of each other because it was a bullstrap match. Now, forgive me if I'm wrong, but I always thought a bullstrap match, the only way you can win if is, is if somebody hits all four turnbuckles consecutively. Hit all four turnbuckles in a consecutive order. One, two, three, four. That's how you win a bullstrap match. But that wasn't really the case with this one. They just had a bullstrap tied to each other. And they just, all right, we're just going to whip each other's ass. Which is exactly what they did. They had a war. They had an absolute war. Now, Brian Downs said got busted open like, Really early in the match, like almost as soon as the damn thing started, he got busted open. But they just him and Ricky just take turns, like just beating the shit out of each other with the belt. Like one's just whipping them. Like it's like one spot where Danielson's just catching him in the corner. He's just like wham, 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 just just whipping them like he's a whipping them like he, you know, <laughs> whipping them like he grew up in a black family in a in a black family in the early nineties. That's how he was getting his ass whipped with that belt. <laughs> Did you wash those dishes? No. Oh, ass whooping time. Wah, 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 wah. That is what happened there. Uh, so the match was going wonderful. It was very, very intense. It was very brutal. Uh, the match was going wonderful. There's a bunch of spots where Ricky was just choking the hell out of uh, Brian Danielson with his trap. The match was going great until Big Bill just rolls his ass out of there. Because Big Bill interfered. That says, okay, now Ricky's got to be interjected. Um. Uh, Look, man, if you're over the age of seventy, you shouldn't be any you shouldn't be in any scenario where you're gonna take a bump. Any scenario where you're gonna take a bump. I mean, any. But, you know, uh Ricky gives Bill some clean shots. You know, he gets you know, he blocks a few. Uh Big Bill grabs him by the collar. Uh Ricky breaks it and, you know, hits him with like three or four really good shots. So it wasn't too bad. But I'm not a fan of it. But once again, I'm going to go back to the brutality of it. There are parts of this match where I thought Ricky was going to break Danielson in half. My favorite part of the match was when you get to around about the the end where (laughs) like he's standing over him. Let's see. I had somebody saved. I just felt it wasn't fair. Yeah, Big Bill, let these two fight it out. Trying to tilt this match. It's time to kick his fucking head in. Like, yo. Like, when he said that, I like, game over, son. He picks him up, both arms, and just starts stomping him. Like, yo, this is the dragon. This is the killer. This is the man. This is the dude that we chant yes for. This is the guy that I miss. This is my favorite wrestler of this generation, man. This dude has it. His in-ring work is vastly superior than his mic work. His mic work ain't bad. 
but he's just that damn good in the ring. And what he does in the ring, the way he acts, and he puts the lapel lock on Ricky Stark using the strap. It chokes him out. Choked him out, sent him home, pack it up, let's go. Match of the night. A plus. A plus. Best match of the whole weekend right here. This proves that Danielson is still the guy. This proves that Ricky can't be the guy. Because they go blow for blow, toe for toe. I loved it. A-plus, best match of the weekend. All right. So, we had a good match. Know what we get next? We get a bad match. I'm not going to go into detail with this. So, this match, we get Eddie Kingston and Katsuri Shibata versus Blackpool Combat Club. Back, Eddie Kingston versus Katsuri Shibata versus the Blackpool Combat Club, which the combat club consists of Wheeler Yuta and Claudio. I... How can I find the words? I do not like Eddie Kingston. Okay? There. I fucking said it. I do not like Eddie Kingston. I do not enjoy Eddie Kingston. I do not like Eddie Kingston. I don't like seeing him in the ring. I don't like seeing him get in the ring. I do not like seeing him, right? I will give credit where credit is due. That Eddie Kingston is wonderful on the mic. That dude is a good... Rabble Rouser. But every time Claudio has to fight Eddie, which has been a few times too many lately, I want Claudio to kick his face in. I don't like the guy. He can cut a promo, but people love him. They love him in Japan. They love him in Chicago. Like he was getting chance the entire time. Look, Claudio wins with uppercut. <laughs> That's all I got to say. Masters the F. Claudio wins with uppercut. That's the best thing that happens here. Claudio wins it. That is literally the only positive thing I have to say here. That is it. Claudio uppercuts and wins the match. Don't watch it. Throw it away. It's crap. I don't know why they even put it on pay-per-view. Okay. Now, this is a match I thought was going to be pretty good. It was. I think I just kind of hyped it up too much. But you got Kenny O. Kenny Omega versus uh, why can I not find the words that I want to say maybe because I got it written down wrong where is it where is it
Okay, so it's Kenny Omega versus Kanosuke Takeshita, right? So we already kind of seen them fight each other at All In and like that eight way tag match. Hold on one second, guys. Max, you always wait till like 10 30. Every time, bro, you are my best friend. I love you. But you got to get out of here because I can't throw the ball. Come on. Come on. Let's get something to eat. You hungry? All right. Once again, I'm sorry, guys. Uh, it's around about 10:30 while I'm recording this. Uh, so if Max, if I'm not in a place where Max can see me around about 10:30, roughly around about bedtime, he gets a little anxious. He's like, "Hey, what are you doing?" Yada yada yada. So he came in the room, just bothered me. Okay, so Kenny Omega versus Kanosuke, Kanosuke to catch this. So this is the match we should have actually gotten at all in. The match does start off kind of slow, and it kind of stays that way, right? So they don't really pick up the pace, uh, but they keep it at a very constant intensity. But one of the things I took away from this match is... Kenny's going to get hurt real bad if he isn't already hurt real bad. Because he has been taking some bad bumps all year. I mean, all year. All year. I think the only pay-per-view I've seen this year where he hasn't taken a bad bump is at All-In. The His match was Osprey. My eyes was bad for him physically. And his match with Takeshita was also bad for him physically. Like, almost like instantly into the match. Not instantly, but there was like a spot where Takeshita hits him on like a German. It was, I want to say it was pretty early in the match. And he drops Kenny right on the back of his neck. I mean, right on the back. It was bad. Yeah, it's like, dude, like not even on his neck. I mean, like the top of his head, like the back of his head hits the mat. And I'm like, yo, Kenny, you can't keep taking bumps that way, bro. You can't. Like, you you literally cannot do it. I know you've been wrestling for a long time, bro, and I know you've been wrestling for a real long time, Chief. You've been real good for a real long time. But he's got to stop taking bumps like that. Because he's going to be one of those guys, man. You know, he's going to be one of those top guys to get hurt real bad, and he's going to have to stop. But pound for pound, Takeshita is that guy. Him and Kenny do put on a pretty good match. You know the thing I didn't like about this match <laughs> was Excalibur. The announcer, Excalibur was one of the things I disliked about the match the most because what Excalibur tries to does is try to impress us with his vast knowledge of New Japan wrestling, right? His vast knowledge of New Japan and other wrestling promotions that isn't WWE and all that stuff, which is great. But can you not babble on constantly about it, bro? 
I effing get it. We all get it, bro. We get it, Excalibur. You know your stuff. We love you to death. But JJR, shut the hell up and call the match. I mean, when you when you get an opportunity, because I know what happens is a lot of us get caught up in the action and not the announcing. But listen to Excalibur. And, bro, he should just take a cue from Taz or JR or some of the other greats out there. Like, bro, shut up with that BS. Uh, but the match, the match was booked very well, uh, especially Kitty going for, like, the three Snapdragons. He doesn't pull it off, but him and Takeshi have a super intense sequence where Kitty goes for the V-trigger, misses it, gets t- <laughs> gets it to uh to catch the in a suitcase and then to catch the flips out of it. Now going a little bit forward, Kitty hits to catch it with a power bomb and a V trigger combo, and then a second V trigger to set up a one winged angel. The catcher actually turns that into like this weird ass power driver. Um, Kitty also tries a avalanche one winged angel, one winged angel. Like he tries to do it off like the very very top turnbuckle, and that's one of those things. I'm like Kitty, bro, just stop doing that crazy shit. The uh, catcher hits him with a what do they call that thing? They call it like a thunder bomb. I believe is like the right name of it. To catch the hits him with a thunder bomb, thunder bomb off the top turnbuckle. I'm like, wow, to catch is gonna kill his ass. Like, Kenny's going to die because Takesh is going to kill him. And the match was, like I said, once again, the match was good. Takesh actually ends the match by striking Kenny with an exposed knee. So not really a finisher. It was just an exposed knee, knee strike. Now, technically, if somebody hits you with an exposed knee in your face, it's probably going to... Knock you out, concuss you, or hurt you really damn bad. So it's not a bad finisher. Uh, Kenny does lose, and that is it. But Kenny did what Kenny does. He's still one of the top five, top ten wrestlers who's still currently wrestling. He proved that in this match. Uh, the catch to put on a display. Uh, I always say that guys have two phases to their wrestling career. Most guys, where they just have tremendous athleticism and strength. That's their first phase. And their second phase is them mastering the art of technical wrestling. To catch the kind of seems to be going through both phases at once. Then we had Don Callis in the match. They had the spot with the screwdrivers. Bullshit. You know, was what it was. Uh, B match. Okay. How do I want to say this? This next match gives me physical pain. I mean, physical pain. Like, (laughs) physical pain. Hold up, let me see. Did they boo them right here? Okay. There was a spot. I thought I had it recorded, but I didn't record it where the young bucks get booed. I don't want to play that. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, but this match gives me physical pain to watch. I'm just going to shoot it to you straight. I hate the Bucks. And I dislike FTR equally. But I recognize that FTR is the superior of the two. Trevor, Ben, everybody says that I am warming up to FTR. I will never warm up to these mustache-wearing wackos. I do like their jackets, though. I think they have some very, very nice jackets. And if somebody gave me an FTR jacket, I wouldn't wear it. And somebody would say, hey, do you like FTR? No. I don't like FTR. I like their jackets. I don't know why we have these matches. I don't know what the AEW obsession is. And the Bucks have to be booking this shit. Because I have no idea what the AEW obsession is with eight-man tag team matches. Constantly. Every pay-per-view. Everything they do. Everything they do. But yeah, so it's FDR, it's the Young Bucks and FDR versus Bullet, Bullet, Bullet Club Gold. Bullet Club Gold is literally just there, and I guess Tony Khan had to book a match to fill out the card. That's just what this felt like. It just feels like a match to, to fill out the card, man. And don't get me wrong, I like, I like the guns. I think they're growing talents. I like Jay White. I like Juice Robinson. I like those guys. I think they're good. But I don't like FTR in the books. I just don't like them. Um, I'm not reviewing it. I'm sorry, guys. I'm not talking about. It. I I just I just I can't stand them. I just I just the only, and I watched this and I said Matthew. Please walk into this with an open mind. Please walk into this with an open heart and just critique the match. Take all the other stuff out of it, right? But I cannot. Okay, so maybe if it was like the Young Bucks by themselves or maybe it was FTR by themselves, I could actually stomach this match from beginning to end. I could stomach it. I would be okay. Because I am on record and I believe with all my heart that FTR versus Jay White and Juice Robinson was probably one of the better tag team matches I have seen in years. In years. Pay-per-view caliber. I will tell you right now, FTR versus the Guns, not on the same caliber, uh, you know, when they because they beat the Guns for the titles a while back, right? That was also a stellar-ass match. I do not believe I have ever seen a good Young Bucks match. I have never seen one. I have never seen one. Maybe there's one out there. I don't think it exists. Next time they booked this, this match was a C minus. If it was FTR versus Juice and J or Jin and Juice, J and Juice, 
or versus the Guns versus any one of those teams, I would enjoy this thing a hundred times over. But the fact that they decided to put the Bucks in there with their flippity doodah bullshit just made the match unbearable, man. That shit was a C minus. It was a long match, too. So now we get to the second best match of the night. And the last match of the night, we get Orange Cassidy versus John Moxley. So <laughs> it was kind of weird, right? Because the match, so this is how they booked the match. So no matter what, we knew the Intercontinental Champion was going to fight John Moxley. So they had an intercontinental match between Penta and Cassidy to determine who was going to fight John Moxley. So you already know that's not a good sign. So right there, right then and there, I already know. Okay, Cass runs up before we even get to the match. I knew it was on my heart and my mind that Cass his run was done the minute I saw that. The minute I saw how they booked it, I'm like, okay, Cash is done. But I really like Orange Cassidy. We watched this man make history. He made a trash belt relevant. You know what? I'm just going to do this. Because he can be done. Gunther and Cassidy, as far as what they do, the way they carry themselves, the way they act are absolute polar opposites. But they run on a parallel line from taking that belt from the depths of shit and turning it into greatness. We're going to talk about Gunther in just a minute, but the Intercontinental Championship on Raw and the WWE matters. This championship matters in AEW because Cash made it matter. Cassidy made it matter. He fought night in, night out. Every pay-per-view, every dynamite, every challenger, everyone in the back. He did it, bro. Freshly squeezed did that. He put in the work. And I will forever be grateful for the work he put in. From beginning to end. I think I like Cassidy before a lot of other folks I know like Cassidy. Before a lot of the folks I know like Cassidy, I like Cassidy. Because I saw what he was doing. I saw he was out there taking those bumps. I saw he was out there fighting every night. I saw he was out there going after it. And he puts on stellar matches. So last week, I said that MJF cannot, once again, your top guy with the belt can't throw the belt away, right? Now, Cash, <laughs> he comes out with the belt in a book bag, so there's something to be said for that. But Cash doesn't throw the belt away, and for the work that he's put in, 
right now that belt's got a little bit more prestige on it than the world championship belt in the AEW. And that's just that's just a fact. Cause he put the work in, man. Like, yo, I respect the hell out of Cassidy. And this match isn't mired down in BS. Like, there's like no no friendship. There's like once again. Cash carried that belt in the bag, but he never threw it on the floor. And he always defended that belt against guys as you would say, okay, I can see Cash losing to him. Hella credit for this dude. And I'm going to say it all the time. Your top guy can't disrespect the belt at all. But it was a good match. Cash can move. Cash still got the juice. I know he's like lackadaisical, lazy, fair. Like, I don't have a cash raise, right? Like, you know, I, I know that's Cash. But Cash can really get around that ring, and he works it. He takes bumps. He sells moves. And that orange punch, it feels like he can just deploy that out anywhere. But the way they did this story is that Cass was just, he's just out of gas, man. He's been defending his belt nonstop. Like, it gets to a point where a man can only do so much. It gets to a point where a car just runs out of gas if you constantly run it, if you don't stop the refuel, and that's how they booked him. But it was a nice match. Him and Mox worked very well together. It was a nice mix of power versus speed. Now, big surprise, someone in the match does bleed within, like, the first three minutes. And surprisingly, it was a Mox. Now... Hear me out. Mox is absolutely disgusting. This guy and his wife by proxy has to have every letter of hepatitis in the world. Because he is always playing in someone's blood. Now, of course, it could be fake. You know, it could be fake, but it's like it's a there. There is several different ways to get some color in a match. But there's one spot where he bites Cassidy on his open cut. And then there's like blood on his lips. And that is another human's blood, sir. Like, I don't even know what type of pathogens you have in your body. But it can't be good. Mox's book really strong. And the match takes on a similar flow to most of Cass's matches. Uh, it's kind of like the underdog story, right? He gets beat down, he gets beat down, and then you get a flurry. But this time, we don't really get that flurry. We don't really get it. Because Mox just flats out beat him. Because Mox, like, beats his ass for, like, a while. And then my favorite part of the match is when Cash stands on his feet. He's just beat to shit. He knows he's about to lose. The crowd knows he's about to lose. And he said, hold up, Mox. And he sticks up two middle fingers at that son of a bitch. Like, like, do what you got to do, son. Because the only way you taking this belt is if you kill me. And I respect that, man. I respect you, Orange Cassidy. I really do, man. I respect the work that you put in. All champions have have to eventually lose their belts. They have to eventually lose. That is just how it goes, man. Nobody holds on to it forever. You can have a long reign, but eventually you're going to lose. Gas lost. Orange Cassidy lost.
Uh, okay, so like I said earlier, uh, both shows were B pluses. Uh, payback was a P. Payback was a B plus. Uh, all out is that what I'm calling? Yeah, all out. I keep forgetting. All. It's all in, all out. They gotta change the name in a little bit. But all out was a B plus. I liked half of the matches. <laughs> I like half of the matches, man. That's just better. That's like the best way I can say it. Like you have like one shitty match, one good match, one shitty match, one good match. But the good matches were so good that it outweighed a lot of the bad. Cassie versus Mox was good. You know, Brian Danielson versus Ricky Stark was good. Like all that stuff was great. But like I said, it's just AEW's just got a way to go. Like they, they're just they're right there on the edge, man. They're like right there. They're like right there on being just something phenomenal. But they can't seem to get out of their own way for whatever reason. Uh, AW, AW match of the pay-per-view goes to Brian Danielson versus Ricky Stark. The payback WWE pay-per-view, the match of the pay-per-view, I'm going to give it to... Who am I give it to? I'm actually going to give it to, and it's crazy because I hate watching this on Raw. I'm going to give it to, damn, what am I going to give it to? You know what? I'm going to give it to the Judgment Day, Finn Balor, and Damian Priest versus Kevin Owens. The match of the weekend is going to be Brian Danielson versus Ricky Stark. That is the match of the weekend. I say Stark. Starks. S. Starks. Uh, what's the worst match? The bottom feeder. I don't want to say bottom. Some of these are bottom feeders, but I don't want to say bottom feeder. Because some of them, uh, yeah, the Young Bucks versus the Young Bucks and FTR versus Bullet Club Gold. Because why would you even watch that? It just sounds bad on paper. Okay, now I have to decide whether we end it here or I actually talk about two things. Yeah, let's do it because this, this deserves a conversation. This deserves it. Okay, so Gunther versus Chad Gable on Monday Night Raw for the Intercontinental Championship is one of the better matches that was put on TV lately. One of the absolute better matches. It was good from beginning to absolute end. Gable can work. And not only did that match play on the physicality of both men. And also played on the emotional string. Because Gable actually had his family in the crowd. His little daughter cried real tears when he lost. Uh, but it's just Gunther's time, man. Gunther is now the longest reigning intercontinental champion in WWE history, surpassing the honky talk man. If anybody deserves it, 
Nobody really deserves it, right? He earned it. Gunther put in the absolute work. He made that tire prestigious. He put on good match after good match. He's a hard worker. He he's a hard worker in the ring, outside of the ring. Go back and look at the pictures when he was actually Walter. You know, he was Walter. He was you know he wasn't he wasn't in supreme shape. You know that's okay. You know not everybody's gonna be. But he he literally by putting the work in turned himself into this excellent wrestling individual, and he earned it. Gable was it, man. Gable's the closest thing you're gonna get to Kurt Angle. He is the closest thing that you're ever gonna see to Kurt Angle ever again. The closest thing, and I really think they should do it again. I really think they should fight again. But shout out to Gunther for breaking history. Shout out to Gable for putting on a great match. <coughs> and I think I'm going to wrap it up here, guys. Like I said, this has been a lot of damn wrestling. This has been a lot of wrestling I've been watching. And I'm a little burnt out. <sighs> but we actually get to take a break because there's no pay-per-views this weekend. I don't review Raw or SmackDown or any of the other ones because it's just too many to keep track of. See, I don't review any of that stuff. Uh, but like I said earlier, beginning of the show, we are, we are in a wrestling boom and it is a great time to be a fan of wrestling. Once again, I want to reiterate that I gave both shows a B plus because they were both great in their own way. They were just slightly below greatness, slightly, slightly below greatness. That's it for this episode of Geek Syndrome. So we won't be doing any pay-per-view reviews next week. So that means I got to find something to watch and actually sit down and review to have ready for you people uh, in a week's time. Till we see you guys again.